I want to read for you an Old Testament scripture. This is from Psalm 22, and it is a psalm of David. And I'll read verses 1 through 11. It says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And why are you so far from helping me from the words of my groaning? Oh, my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but find no rest. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel, and you are ancestors trusted. They trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm. I am not human, scorned by others and despised by the people. All who see me mock me, and they make mouths at me. They shake their heads. Oh, commit your cause to the Lord and let him deliver you. Let him rejoice in the one whom he delights. And yet it was you who took me from the womb of my mother. You kept me safe upon my mother's breast. On you I was cast from my birth, and since my mother bore me, you have been my God. Do not be far from me, God, for trouble is near, and there is no one to help. And from the gospel lesson today, I want to read uh, Mark chapter 15, and I have that up on the screen if you'd like to follow along. Uh, these are accounts of Jesus' last three hours. Mark 15, beginning with verse 29. Those who passed by Jesus hurled insults at him, and shaking their heads, they said, So you who are going to destroy the temple in Jerusalem and build it in three days, come down from that cross and save yourself. In the same way, the chief priest and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, the King of Israel, come down from the cross that we may see and believe. Those who crucified were crucified with him also heaped insults upon him. And at noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Elahi, Elahi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And that is the word of God for the people of God today. Thanks be to God. Well, let me open with a, a prayer before I begin my sermon, please. Oh God, speak to me that I may hear and through me that we all may hear this your word for us today. Help us to hear it so that we will be believers and doers of it and not hearers only. For it's in Jesus' name we ask, amen. So during this season of Lent, uh, between now and Easter, I'm leading up with these seven phrases that Jesus uttered from the cross. And each week we've been taking a different one and listening to them. The four gospel writers um, give us different ones at different times. It's a compilation, if you will, of the four gospels' reports of what Jesus said from the cross. And I'm calling the series Love Boldly Spoken because the cross was a sign, a signal 
a powerful, bold issue of love that God gave to all humanity. The first week we talked about Jesus' gift of forgiveness, saying, Father, forgive those that were crucifying him, for they don't, do not know what they're doing. The second week we talked about how Jesus said to the penitent thief, Today you will be with me in paradise and the gift of, of heaven that he offers to us. Last week we spoke about Jesus' mother Mary and his disciple John and about how God commended them to one another as he knew he was leaving and reminding us that in him we are a new family of faith, a people of believers. Today we're looking at this phrase, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And what anguished words these are that Jesus cried out to God in a moment of great pain and of great suffering. I want us to, to hear just a few things today from this phrase, and I'll walk us through that quickly. And first, that, that depth of anguish and pain and suffering that we hear comes from Jesus' heart, no doubt, but also are repeated from, from his childhood and from his memory of faith of understanding the Psalms. Jesus, hundreds of years before he came into the world, uh, King David was the king of Israel and a great worship leader and writer of Psalms. And, and in Psalm 22, David is uttering words of anguish when he is being pursued by his enemies. He feels very lonely and very, very incapable as if the end is coming very soon. And he cries out to God, asking him to help him in that moment. And even asking, where are you, God, in all of this? It's amazing that Jesus would, would call back and cry out these words from the psalmist David and make them his own in this moment of great human anguish. Jesus there on the cross, God himself in the flesh is suffering in a human way that many of us can't even fathom. And in the midst of that, he even thinks in his human mind, where, where are you, God, in all of this? I don't know about you, but there seems to be a whole lot of human emotion that has gone on uh, with me and in others that I've talked to and know over the past couple of weeks with, with the disruption of life that the coronavirus has brought about. There's, I think, a lot of nervous energy. When we're used to going and doing what we know to do on a regular weekly basis, is suddenly halted. We don't know what to do with that. We feel like fish out of water. I think maybe there are moments of, of um, concern and fear. I've talked to business owners this past week that, that wonder about the economy and where is all of that going to go for them and for their business. People that are retired, that, that are banking on money being there to live on, it brings about great disconsternation when, when that is put into question because of the stock market. There's a lot of fear about the health risk involved with the coronavirus. There's a lot, of, a lot of concern about our loved ones. There is a great sense of loneliness when we are stuck at home by ourselves or even with just the people that we live with. Not seeing people about, about our daily lives leaves us feeling really a sense of emptiness and disconnection. And I want us to hear today that, that that is where Jesus was in an extreme way upon the cross. Because not only had, 
had his brothers uh, and his other family abandon him and left him. Not only had his disciples fled like with sheep without a shepherd when he was arrested and tried, but, but now upon the cross he feels so alone and so abandoned that he even wonders, where is my Father in heaven? I don't know if you know any kids before, or perhaps you are someone that has been adopted, or if you know any children that have ever been abandoned by their parents before. Can you imagine any worse feeling than believing that your parents are not there for you when you need them the most? It's a difficult thing in the human experience, and Jesus was at that place at the cross when he cried out in anguish these words to Jesus. And I want us to know that, as the old saying goes, if it is true that misery loves company, then we have no better person to cry out to and call out to when we feel alone and abandoned than in Jesus. He understands where it is that we we are in, in our difficult moments, in our lonely moments. He is the one that, uh, that even in our moments of weakness that uh, we call upon him and the spirit intercedes for us when we do not have the groans to say what it is that's troubling us. We hear this anguish in Jesus's voice and it's important for us. Second thing about the phrase today is to understand the act of compassion that's going on in this moment. And it is Jesus taking upon himself the sins of the world, all of us, everything that we have done wrong, all that we lack in, all that we don't measure up in. Jesus in this moment is doing a great thing in carrying the weight of all of that and paying the price for us that we might be atoned and be made right with God once again. You know, the question comes up in this moment of anguish, is God abandoning Jesus upon the cross? And that's a difficult question because we believe Jesus himself is God, and yet, yet he's fully human. He's fully experiencing the anguish and the difficulty of feeling and, and being abandoned. And when it comes right down to it, I think that we would understand and believe that, that in fact Jesus was abandoned on the cross to carry the weight of the sins of the world alone, to be the sacrifice of all sacrifices to end, and to give to us the gift of grace and forgiveness forevermore. Jesus knew what was coming when he started his ministry, when he came into the world uh, in the three years prior of his ministry, after he was baptized and went out into the wilderness uh, and accepted and began that calling that God placed him into the world for, he knew where it would lead him to. Just the night before with his disciples, he gathered in that upper room and he said that this bread broken is like my body is going to be broken for you. And this cup poured out. This cup of wine is, is like my blood that is going to be poured out for you at the cross. Jesus, Jesus is exercising a tremendous gift of compassion for all of the world as he carries the evil and the wickedness and the suffering of a sinful world for us all at the cross. 
And we need to be reminded of that depth of love and self-sacrifice that God exercises and shows to us there. The last thing for, for this phrase today that we hear from Jesus uh, in Mark's gospel from the cross is what I want us to go away with today, and that is to remember that God is at work in what might seem to us to be the most hopeless situation. When things seem so out of control or so, so beyond what it is that is normal to us, when we feel like the, the end is coming, yet God's hand is still at work, God is still in control, moving through, through history and time, and moving things in a direction for his glory and for the good of those who believe in him. We don't understand the cross fully. We know that Jesus uh, dying there seemed tragic. And to the world and to those that do not understand him and believe that he was the Messiah, the Son of God, it's perplexing. Paul would later write in 1 Corinthians 1.18, For the message of the cross seems like foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those who are being saved, it is, it is God's power in its greatest work. And we remember in this moment at the cross, when Jesus is there doing the atoning work for all of us, for the sins of the world at the cross, that, that God is at work even when it seems that, that everything is spinning out of control. If you are feeling unhinged because of the um, circumstances in your life because of the, the difficulties that you're facing, the changes, all of the worries and concerns. Remember that God's hand is at work in the world. Don't lose your faith. Keep trusting in him. Just keep your eyes upon his son, Jesus. And he will, just as he showed us beyond the cross at the empty tomb, will bring to us the gift of new life. There is a plan at work. And God is great and good and better and more powerful than, than all things that are, are seen and unseen. I inquired of a scientific mind I know this past week, thank you, Ben, my son, uh, a little bit about the coronavirus because it seems to have created such great havoc in the world. I mean, just in the U.S. alone, just in, in our world socially, this pandemic has, has caused 45 states to shut down schools altogether. Uh, five states, last count that I saw, to make everyone stay home, to shelter into place and only go to the most essential uh, places for things. It has created our, our Congress, who is always divided and fighting over things of finance, to come together and say, trillions of dollars we think are going to be needed to sustain the financial effect of all of this. It has been a mind-blowing and world-changing thing, this little virus, if you will, that has, has begun and spread and been going around the world. So I asked uh, this past week, how small is a, a virus, the coronavirus? And I found out it is between 100 and 125 nanometers in diameter. Does anybody know how big a nanometer is? No. It's not on the ruler anywhere. In fact, you have to have, um, my son told me, a cryo-electron microscope to see it and even measure it. And yet it is still very, very small. 
But to tell you how small it is, here's a great comparison. A human hair, if you want to pluck one out and hold it up, you can. It measures about 100,000 nanometers in diameter, meaning that, that a virus the size of the coronavirus is about one one-thousandth the width of a human hair. Imagine the smallness of that. Imagine that we didn't even know that it existed until months ago and are just now coming to understand it. And you think about the havoc that something invisible and unknown can create in the world, and it's fearful and scary. And yet we believe, we know, that the things that are unseen are the most powerful things in the world, especially for those who have faith and follow after our Lord Jesus Christ, who's overcome all things, even the world itself for us. Imagine, as he said, the, the faith that we have in him, just the side of a mustard seed and what it can do. It can do tremendous things, overcome all things great and small. It gives to us a confidence, a power, and a grace to deal with others and to show the love of God extended to us at the cross even when we think that we don't have any room or capacity for it. It's what Jesus did, showing that compassion to the world. It is the power of God that, that was in him and is in him. And it is why he is our Lord and our Savior, our our Messiah, crucified and risen, our judge and our hope. And so today I hope and pray that as we, we um, prepare to sing and, and close our service, that we will remember in these moments and words of anguish that he cried out to God, there is great power and great hope. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much for these reminders of the good work that you have done for us in Jesus. Lord, help it not to be for us just a lesson of history of 2,000 years ago of the event, but, but a reminder today that he is with us and that by faith he will give to us all things that we need. In his name we pray. Amen.